fairy tales, children's stories about magical and imaginary beings and lands, often the first lens we give young minds to view the world they live in. Many assume these are fictional stories to be taken lightly, but what if there is more to them? This is a podcast where we'll tell you some myths and tales that you thought you knew, and we'll show you how they are connected to real-life crimes today. This is Scary Tales, where the stories of your childhood meet real-life horror. We'll discuss how the light and happy tales of youth actually have a darker history to them. We'll also discuss true crime today and some of the eerie connections they have to the myths and legends of yesterday. Tune in for a new tale every other Tuesday. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, and anywhere you stream your podcast. Are we good? Are you good? I'm good. Are you good, though? I am. Welcome back. Hello. Hello, it's us. Some people, we've been talking about this, say that Hannah and I, you can't tell our voices apart. Which, I feel like you can't. I, I mean, I feel like I can't. I, I feel like we sound nothing but like, we but people are ourselves, tell, so. Right. I don't uh, know. Let I don't us think. know. Write in. Say, yeah. can, can you tell us apart? Hannah likes to tell everyone, especially her students, that if it's something inappropriate, that yeah. it's Lacey saying it. Yes, that's true. And same goes for today. If anything, you know, mildly inappropriate is mentioned it's going to be lacy mm-hmm. so just and, I, and honestly I, I hold back a lot she does i'm actually really proud of her because mm-hmm. she does she holds back for me mm-hmm. you're welcome thank you good friends uh today you know not one of your typical disney fairy tales we, but it is a, it's classic it is classic you've probably heard of it her before i have wanted to be her in all honesty transparency i've wanted to be her for halloween several times I'm surprised you haven't. Uh huh. Yeah, I think about um, it. And today we're we're gonna talk about the one and only snake-headed lady, Medusa. Medusa. Now, what I know about let me tell you because yeah, we normally us. do a Disney summary. What I know about Medusa is she's just an ugly lady with snakes on her head, and she turns people to stone if you look at her. Yes, and that's what the majority of the population knows about her. But it's, her story is so sad. It is, and I, I feel bad because I even used to teach a Greek mythology class, and, you know, we study the gods, and we study the heroes, mm-hmm. and we study the demigods, and we'll read stories that involve the, like, quote-unquote monsters, which she would fall into that category, but, we don't, t- but, really. we, don't, but we don't read their stories. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like, I feel a little bit, like, guilty now looking back on that being, like, Dang, I mean, I feel like I did her wrong. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like how they took Maleficent and they redid it, and Maleficent yes. is actually the protagonist in the story. Well, whenever you hear their their story, it gives you more like empathy or sympathy for them. It makes them more real, mm-hmm. knowing how they ended up where they ended up. Yes, and I feel like you will definitely feel sympathy after hearing her story. Yes, and also side note, most like monsters in Greek mythology are female. Oh, so. yeah. Well, was it all written by men mostly? Probably. Okay. Oh, okay. Did yeah. you just hear my ankle pop? It's fractured. Can, okay. <laughs> Moving on. All right. So, do you want you want to learn a little bit more about Medusa? I do. Give so, me the facts. Obviously, ancient um, Greek mythology. She's uh, one of the most famous monsters. Like I said, I think you've probably heard of her before. Uh, she's one of the three sisters known as the Gorgons. The Gorgon. The Gorgon. I think of Demogorgon from Stranger Things. 
Which, yeah, I mean, because Gorgon just means, like, in ancient Greek, it means uh, fierce, terrible, grim. It's kind of, you know, an, a synonym for monster, mm-hmm. if you will. Um, funny thing is, Lacey put all these, like, Greek words on our notes as if... You can read the Greek alphabet. Right. So, mm-hmm. sorry. I'm not going to be able to Google no, translate that's okay. that. The earliest known record of the story of Medusa and these Gorgons can be found in Hesiod's Theogony. Uh, we've mentioned him before. Mm-hmm. Hesiod's kind of like the the OG Greek Greek writer, or one of them. Um, according to him, these three sisters, their names were. I'm going to give this a try: Steno, Eurali, and Medusa. Okay, uh, doesn't that sound good? Sound good to me. They were the children of. This one's harder. That uh, word just looks like forceps. So it does. Probably some sort of mm-hmm. derivative. Uh, Forces and Ceto. And they lived, uh, quote, beyond famed Oceanus at the world's edge, hard by night. So they're out there. They're out there. In the sea, in darkness. They are. Doing scary at, things. At the edge of the world. Mm-hmm. Each of their names, each of the sisters' names, have specific meanings that relate to their, like, monstrosity. Uh-huh. Um, Steno, from the Greek, ancient Greek word, means, like, strength, might, or force. Okay, so she's the strong so one. She's, she's the, the one that looks like she's doing CrossFit on yes. the side. <laughs> yes, she is. Uh, Eureli is more meaning this broad, wide-stepping, wide-threshing, like... Hulk. Just, yes, just big force. She was... This is probably appropriately named because she was the daughter of like the, these sea deities, these sea mm-hmm. gods. And then Medusa, her name comes from the ancient Greek word that means to guard or protect, which is actually interesting because she gets a bad rap in a lot of mm-hmm. stories, but she also is seen, but a lot of the culture viewed her as a positive thing, mm-hmm. which I actually like. Mm-hmm. And you, nobody tells that story. Right. But we're going to today. But we are going to today. Of these three, because you probably haven't heard the other two sisters, but of these three, Medusa was the most famous. She was started off as immortal. Mm-hmm. And she wasn't always a monster. No, and she was beautiful. Yeah, uh, which which made me was interesting to me because um, the photo that you chose of her, she looks like a Barbie. Mm-hmm. But I think obviously in in the story, she's depicted as hideous mm-hmm. that happens to her later later and that's why this story is so sad it is it's, it starts good and ends poorly mm-hmm. so even though a hesiod gives an account of her origins and her death he doesn't say like a ton more about her he just focuses on kind of the origin where her she family where her like yeah came from and then mm-hmm. her death but um other uh, ovid Ovid's Metamorphosis, which is another famous like ancient text, gives a more comprehensive account of her story. So we'll kind of talk more about him. So she was originally very beautiful. Um, she was actually a um, like servant to Athena, who was the uh, virgin goddess of war. Mm-hmm. Big she, name. Yes, it's a name that most people know. And Athena has her own temple. So Medusa was somebody who would serve her. She would go to her temple. Um, as a like servant of Athena, she was sworn to a life of like chastity and like virginity as well. Okay, that's how all the uh, most people were if they were like sworn to one of the Greek goddesses. One day, though, uh, while Medusa is walking along the ocean, she is spotted by Poseidon, god of the sea. Obviously, she's a very beautiful woman, so he attempted to woo her. But because she was pledged to Athena um, as her servant, she was not interested in relationships. 
mm-hmm. whether they're a god or a mortal. And so she just rejected it. Which, if you reject a god... A god, not it's not good. It does not end out, good. Turn, turn out well for you. Good uh, for her, though, for putting her foot best oh, foot yeah. forward and saying, listen. And apparently she did this a lot, where she had a lot of men who were very interested in her, and she was just not She interested. was devoted. She was devoted to Athena. Mm-hmm. Being that Medusa was this priestess or um, devotee of Athena, Poseidon, Poseidon and Athena had issues. Um, Poseidon believed that he had authority. He was one of the, the big three, Zeus, Poseidon, and Hades. He thought he had authority over Medusa because she was a uh, mortal and because she was already a servant to the gods. Mm-hmm. He thought... Well, he had was, authority like over Athena. And, and if he, yeah, and he Athena's thought... Athena's yeah. property, then... And, yeah, because he... And, you know, and he's a male. Uh-huh. So anyway, uh, he ends up uh, raping Athena or not Athena, raping Medusa in Athena's temple. Oof. So it was basically like a double whammy. Mm-hmm. He both like desecrated Medusa, also desecrated Athena's temple by mm-hmm. doing this sexual act in a place where you pledge not to do that. Right. Athena, Athena saw this and became enraged, but not necessarily at poseidon as much as she was at medusa Mm -hmm. she thought that medusa at first was um a hussy yeah she thought she was being in like being unfaithful to her Uh and just willingly participating in this when in reality she was being attacked like assaulted Mm -hmm. so she wanted to punish both poseidon and and medusa but because poseidon's a god she doesn't really do anything she doesn't have the authority to yeah which deal out judgment on a god which is but she did have medusa medusa was this she the did scapegoat. and she almost like doubled her vengeance i guess on medusa she sure did she punished her by turning her into this gorgon um like the sisters her hair was turned to poisonous snakes her face was made so hideous that anyone who looked at her was turned to stone that's the classic mm-hmm. part of her which is just tragic. The poor girl tried to fend but him off. Total, yeah, total isolation. Stand her ground, do what's right, and then she gets turned into a freaking monster. Right, and she and she looks like a corpse. So that was like it's not just so physically she looks like a corpse. So no one wants to come near her. Mm-hmm. Even if someone did come near her, she's got these poisonous snakes. Yeah, and if you even look at her, like it's just she just eliminated every possibility of any sort of like. Suitor or any sort, any sort of physical mm-hmm. like proximity connection with people. So uh, we talked about Ovid earlier. He gives a description of Medusa um, and how she changed from this like beautiful alluring lady into the Medusa that we know today. Do you want to read that part from Ovid? So originally she's described as beautiful and it says Medusa once had charms to gain her love. A rival crowd of envious lovers strove. They who have seen her own, they ne'er did trace more moving features in a sweeter face. Yet above all, her length of hair they own, in golden ringlets waved and graceful shone. Which sounds lovely. Mm-hmm. But then... But then, it doesn't last long. Uh, she gets punished, and then it sounds a little bit like this. In the middle is the Gorgon Medusa, an enormous monster about whom snaky locks twist their hissing mouths. Her eyes stare malevolently, malevolently, and under the base of her chin, the tail ends of serpents have tied knots. So, quite the quite the visual downfall. Yeah, 
then she's got a snake beard. She does have a snake beard. Um, other variations of the myth like suggest that the Gorgons were always hideous monsters and covered mm-hmm. with snake. But um, I think the most popular is that she was beautiful, right? And that and she then, turned into mm-hmm. it because a lot of a lot of mythology was like trying to explain the unexplainable, and I think this was sometimes a way that they could explain like why someone was not blessed with beauty that mm. it had to have been some sort of punishment. Mm. So she does eventually die. And see, again, I feel bad because this is the part of the story that I've taught my students when we study mythology mm-hmm. versus like giving them the full backstory of Medusa. Um, but her, her story, she, so she's prominently featured in this story of a demigod or um, this hero named Perseus. There's a whole s- journey that he goes on um, that begins years before they actually meet. Um, Perseus was born to a um, woman named Danae. Zeus, god of the gods, had impregnated um, Danae. There was a prophecy about her where she was prophesied that her son, if she had any kids, would kill her father. Mm-hmm. So her father, trying to protect himself, locks her up in a tower, which we've heard that before. Mm. Locking somebody up in a tower. Rapunzel. So she gets locked up in a tower trying to prevent her from having kids, mm-hmm. which does not stop the god of the gods. So Zeus comes to her in the form of a like golden shower, like a rain shower of gold falls from the sky into her tower. Okay. Impregnates her. Yep. Which I read somewhere that they think... You get impregnated by a golden shower. That just... It doesn't sound pleasant. But I, I read somewhere that that was because of like a meteor shower. So there's oh. like a... There's like a, a, a like famous or classic meteor shower that was named after Perseus that they think... So that's how they explain like falling stars. It's like, oh, oh it's a god coming down to... Yeah. Golden shower. Yep. There you go. So... So tries to lock, her father tries to lock her up to prevent her from having kids so that her son cannot kill him. She ends up having a son anyway. Uh, but he, now Acrisius the king, can't kill uh, her son Perseus because he's the son of a god. Mm-hmm. And so if he does that, he makes the god mad. So he puts them in a wooden chest, both the baby and the mother, in a wooden chest in the ocean. Mm-hmm. Yep. Down safe? Yeah. Um, they survive. They're floating around. They're floating around. They survive. Uh, the dictus of this, of another island. So we were in the Greek islands. He rescues them and ends up raising Perseus like his own son because Danae was supposed to be very beautiful. There were other people who weren't as nice to Perseus because he was like a, you know, not... He didn't know who his father was because mm-hmm. um, he did not know that he was the son of a god. So he was kind of ostracized because he did not have a father. The king of the island, Polydectes, also thought Perseus's mother was beautiful. So he wants to get rid of Perseus so that he can't... Because Perseus was very, was very protective of Danae. So he wants to get rid of Perseus so that he can try to court his mother. Mm-hmm. So now Polydectes tries to kill Perseus by saying that he has to like present him with a gift. And because mm-hmm. Perseus is poor, because he you know has this strange upbringing, he's not able to buy a gift. So um, he gives him the idea to 
well, you can earn a gift. Like you could find the head of Medusa and bring it to me. And that could be your gift. But secretly hoping that he would die well, yeah, so he could yeah. hook up with his mom. Right. Because that's, that's a death wish. I mean, mm-hmm. that's a death mission. Uh, Perseus decides to do this. And he gets help from Athena. Because again, Athena does not like Medusa. Mm-hmm. So Athena helps Perseus. Uh, she guides him to the Grey Witches who give him uh, kind of these prophecies that help tell him where the these magical nymphs are. And then these magical nymphs give him this bag of, and they give him these like uh, tools or weapons to help him catch Medusa. Mm-hmm. So that's a whole story. All Side these different story. All these different islands he goes to because it can't just be a one-stop thing. Mm-hmm. It's not a direct flight. There's layovers. Uh, Perseus also, because he's the son of Zeus, is um, has some help from other gods because he is this demigod. So he gets um, a cap of invisibility from Hades, uh, god of the underworld. He gets a pair of winged sandals from Hermes, um, who's like the messenger god, mm-hmm. helps people with travel. He gets a reflective bronze shield from Athena, and he gets a sword from Hephaestus, who's like the god of the forge. So all of these things combined with what the witches and these nymphs gave him helps him find Medusa. He ends up decapitating her Mm. and he's like able to use the shield to like reflect so he doesn't look into her eyes and turn into stone. Uh Uh-huh. Smart. Um, And he also is told like where she is and to attack her while she's asleep. Because most people that end up trying to go kill her just end end up up dying. But turn, he had a turning lot of to stone. He had tons. He of had help. a lot of tools in his, warp in his safety belt. Yes, he did. Mm-hmm. Cloak of invisibility. Hell, yeah, you, you can fly. You got a big old shield. Cloak, cloak of invisibility. I think is a Harry, Harry Potter, Potter thing. Yeah. But you know what I meant. Same thing. Plot twist though. There always is. There always is. Uh, Medusa was actually pregnant with Poseidon's children when she died. Not surprised. He did. They did. Right. Consummate things. They did. Uh, so when she was beheaded, uh, Pegasus, which is like the winged horse, mm-hmm. um, and a golden giant named Chrysior, Chrysi- um, were born out of her neck. Why did a female god and a male goddess have a horse baby? Uh, but, well, Poseidon was the uh, also ironically the god of horses. So oh, he, I didn't know that. I thought sea, he was just in the sea. Hurricanes, earthquakes. Mm-hmm. And then horses. Oh, it's sure. Random. Yeah, it's random. Um, and that's also not the first time you see an children born out of not normal birthing mm-hmm. canals. Yeah, necks, heads, sure, thighs. It yeah. don't have any else to go. It can only doesn't, go up. Doesn't make sense. So after this, Perseus flies away with Hermes sandals or Pegasus, depending on the story that you read. Maybe a little of both. I mean. Why not the flying horse or flying sandals? Mm-hmm. Either one, mythological. I would take the horse. Oh, same. Uh, and he's setting the course back for his um, homeland because he's taking the the head back to this Polydectus. Guy. Yeah, back to the king who wants to date his mom. Other things happen before he returns because again, it's not a direct flight back. He mm-hmm. has to stop at all these not other not a one way. It's not yeah. a one way. Um, and so. Obviously, this whole thing is the focus is Perseus's story, so he's kind of the center of the story. But a lot of people argue that it's these like transformative powers of Medusa's severed head that end up playing a big role in the rest of his adventures because 
he's able to like fight all these battles and win all these things and like make a name for himself with her head. Mm-hmm. Like if he did not have her head, he would not have been able to be the hero that he is mm-hmm. on his way back. So for example, he encounters uh, the tight Titan Atlas, uh, you know, the guy who holds mm-hmm. up the world. Um, he, yep. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's my cell phone. <laughs> um, he, Atlas uh, asked Perseus to like hold the world so that he could rest for a minute. Mm-hmm. He's trying to trick Perseus into taking his punishment, but he refuses. And uh, knowing that he's not going to be able to like just outright defeat the Titan with brute force because Titans are massive and mm-hmm. known to be strong. I mean, he's holding up the world. He ends up taking Medusa's head and turning Atlas into like a stone mountain. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is what they explain are the like quote unquote Atlas Mountains in North Africa. There you go. They use these stories to explain all these things. Another thing that Perseus does is he encounters this uh, princess named Andromeda. Um, she was the daughter of the Aeothium. She was the daughter of a king um, <laughs> named Cepheus and uh, Cassiopeia. And again, using Medusa's head, Perseus is able to rescue the princess um, who was being sacrificed. Again, I feel like we see this in stories. She was being sacrificed by her parents to a sea god. Okay. Or a sea monster. So she, he's able to defeat Atlas. He's able to save this princess. And, you know, so he gets the head of the monster. He wins the girl. He eventually heads back home where he finds out that Polydectes has taken advantage of his mother now that Perseus is out of the way assuming she's dead you know assuming Perseus is dead he like abuses his mother in every way he sexually abuses her he physically abuses her he's Mm -hmm. forced her to be his servant sex slave if you will and I bet Perseus is pissed well yeah of course and so but he now has a tool that he didn't have a head of Medusa just he has a head of Medusa so takes the head of Medusa and turns Polydectes to stone. Boom. Boom. Which, again, so he wouldn't have been able to do any of this without Medusa's head. And that's kind of where the protection, her name means protection, yeah. comes in. Yeah, because um, they would have, like, a lot of ancient Greek warriors would sometimes put, like, the head of Medusa on their shield. Mm-hmm. So when they would go out into the battle, it was hopefully supposed to, like, ward off evil. It was supposed to, you know, stun their... Mm-hmm enemies into like a moment of like being frozen where they could freak them out and then kill them. Uh-huh. He eventually gives the head of Medusa back to Athena. Um, and because Athena is the goddess of war, again, she kind of uses that as a protection for people. Mm-hmm. So she wears it on her shield, which is part of why I think all these other people made it, put it on their shield. Mm-hmm. She, she gets her, like everyone's the part of her story that everyone knows is the bad part. Mm-hmm. But the original, the original, how she got to become a mm-hmm. monster and the what she symbolizes later, I feel like are very positive things. Yes, it's sad that she was a victim of sexual yes. assault. Yeah, and was punished in this way and then freaking beheaded. But she now is the face of Versace. Oh yeah, Versace, I do Versace, love Versace, Versace. I do love all the like pop culture. Um, there's uh-huh. tons of mythology and pop culture, mm-hmm. and, and you yeah. might just need to be her for Halloween. I know. We could. Mm. Poor girl, though. I know. And so Athena, that, like, get it together. 
I know. You're, you're only going to um, punish Medusa and not Poseidon. I, I know. And I, I, there's a lot of problematic stuff within Greek mythology that, like, there's a lot. Women just get the crap. It's in. very dysfunctional. Mm-hmm. It's very, like, aggressive. Yeah. Because there's other ways he she could have punished her. Yeah. It's very, like, vent, full of, like, vengeance and retaliation. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. Kind of makes me worried about the Greeks a little bit. Yeah. I'm like, y'all, y'all all right? What, y'all, y'all okay? Everybody all right? I'll need to... Um, I think they're better now. But. More serotonin in your brain? Yeah. Because some, <laughs> some of their stories are... Which, I mean, so, <laughs> speaking of stories that we wonder if people are all right, um, we went with the, we had two options to go with here with Medusa. What, we could, are, what are you talking about? We, well, we could either have gone turning people to stone or like uh-huh. burying people alive in stone. Something about Are you talking stone. about for true crime? Yeah. Oh, no, we... So we, we, we could have gone sto- the stone route. Mm-hmm, but we did something completely but different. But we went and the you're just snakes. Gonna, mm-hmm. That so if you it, do not like snakes, don't stick around, but please do. But I think we're going to go to snack break. And yeah, snacks, snacks, and then snakes. Snack. Oh, Put that on a t-shirt. Put it on a t-shirt. We already done said it. Do it. All right, we'll be right back. Bye-bye. Snack break. It's a snack. Oh, ooh, Hannah hit it with you that time. I don't she like it when it. I sing it. I do. I need you to sing it. Mm, gives me a little pep in my step. And you know what else gives me a pep in my snack break? Tell me. Is the people over at Dry Soda. We made some new friends. They Yes, they are sponsoring this week's snack break, and they make Dry Botanical Bubbly the zero-proof option for every celebration. And that's that's what I love. I love that they want to include everybody yeah their mission's really cool where you know they're trying to it's very inclusive Uh uh-huh they're elevating social drinking for everyone not everyone even if you don't want to partake in the Uh drinking yeah but you don't want to be left out alcohol is not for everyone so they work with many partners in creating communities where alcohol free options are elevated expected and accessible as the alternatives you know there's not just one option everybody should be able to be social celebrate whatever they need to and have a delicious delicious drink on hand and they've got some delicious recipes Mm -hmm. where um you know they've got these products where they've got the different bubblies that are the different flavors but then they also will give you recipes to go along with those so yeah you know it's not just you're you're getting this lame alternative to you know everybody else is getting a cool drink everybody's gonna be jealous of your drink yeah let me tell you about some of these uh blueberry lavender lemonade need it uh fuji apple fall sangria Mm mm-hmm uh blushing bees knees it's got like raspberries lemon honey yeah Yeah. so they sent us a packet of just several of the dry uh, bubblies we drank them plain i know we didn't make them i don't think you're supposed to do that i think you can when we got the package we were just like yeah Mm -hmm. because i I guess it's kind of like a Lacroix, yeah like bubbly thing Uh but we just you know we got the package and we opened it and we saw the recipes but they had you know multiple ingredients and Mm -hmm. the drink was right there in front of us and we just we just drank it plain and you can do that it's also refreshing the vanilla one was so good delicious which i mean obviously if it was in the like recipe like Mm -hmm. it would probably be even better Mm -hmm. but uh, if you would like to get you some dry soda, you can head on over to drinkdry.com. Look at all your recipes, shop around. They got different packages. It's really good for, we, you know, 
this is probably pre-COVID too, but mm-hmm. we like to hang out at people's houses. We aren't always, you know, wanting to go out. Like we like to stay in mm-hmm. and still have a good time. And so it is good to have something like this as an option at your house for people who, you know, you're inviting over that you don't necessarily want to leave out of the party. Right. We love it. We love inclusivity here. And uh, we don't have a scary tales code for you, but we do have, if you um, are new to ordering dry soda, if it's your first time, you can use the code welcome at checkout to get 10% off of your order and they have free shipping on their orders Mm -hmm. and let them know that we sent you because we really appreciate them we do so we talked about snacks now it's time to talk about some snakes snacks and snakes Snacks. i feel like i'm gonna need a soda snacks snakes soda snacks snakes i feel like i'm gonna need one of those blush blueberry lavender lemonades i'll fix you one for this you, you sure gonna, do. Yeah, I'm, I'm, already, mm-hmm. I'm already ready. All right. So everybody get you a dry soda, sit down, relax, and it's time for True Crime. Oh, wow. I'm not ready. It's a true crime. Oh, no. So. It's the time. When thinking of Medusa, I... I uh, texted Hannah and I said, you got got any ideas about true crime that involves snakes? I texted you back in like 0.5 seconds. 0.5 seconds. And this is what she sends me. She sends me a headline that says, (laughs) sorry, (laughs) this one just really hits home too. So Um, yeah, yeah. From the pulpit to prison, a lurid story of how a drunken serpent handling Pentecostal preacher, (laughs) preacher, Tried to murder his wife with a venomous rattlesnake is told in a new documentary, Alabama Snake. So well, we couldn't not do it. We couldn't do it. So right on. I hate. I hate that this just feeds into the stereotype. I know. Of I know. Alabama. I know. And I promise we're not. No, this is not. This is. This is not like Alab- Southern Southern religious people. This uh-huh. is not. This is not the norm. This is very much an outlier. Because <laughs> I'm the same way. I don't like to feature like. Alabamians or rel- especially religious Alabamians mm-hmm. in a negative light because I feel like that puts me in a negative light. Yeah. So let me just say, as a religious Hannah, person from Alabama, she'd never been slinging no snakes. I have never. I would never. So you, I don't you know anyone who would ever. No, I've never known anybody to handle a snake. No. Um, if you didn't know, Hannah and I are from <laughs> Alabama. Yes. And uh, or you probably figured that out from our accent, but. Anyway, this story is a doozy, and that headline just... That headline. That headline reminded I mean, me of the fair. Oh, also, this is just shining light on Alabama. There's a fair we have, and on the radio, <laughs> the, the main, like, tagline is, come see monkeys riding dogs. Why are you... <laughs> this is not good for us. This is not a good it's look fun. for us. It's, I know. You think there's nothing to do in Alabama, but there's, you got snake handling preachers and monkeys riding dogs. I mean, so, come on down. Come on down. It's we'll always a good show time. Show you a good time. All right. Shall we? Let's do it. Oh, and if you thought that headline was a joke, it's not. It, no, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> it's not. They made an entire documentary on HBO called Alabama Snake. That's where I got all of my information. My brother, thank you, Jacob, let me um, log into his HBO account, and I watched it, and I was appalled so yeah it's troubling all right this story takes place in scottsboro alabama not really close to us but um we we could go visit up there see what's going on interview some people maybe for a follow-up or not (laughs) or not it involves a man by the name of glendale buford summerford (laughs) 
what a name <laughs> he goes by glenn but um buford though mm-hmm. i feel like that's about as southern as it gets right uh, i think i think wasn't that the name that um somebody did the snl skit and he was a guy from Probably. alabama and he was like buford buford champion yes jackson uh, yes glenn was born in the tennessee river valley in 1952 i feel like this entire I, story i'm not speaking that accent just gonna say the same thing i feel like you're just mm-hmm. gonna naturally gravitate into the most southern accent yep. ever glenn had a very rough childhood as they all do all, all do <laughs> all stories so like this i know he never met his father and he was bullied bullied relentlessly in school he was constantly getting beat up in the schoolyard so his mother eventually remarries and his stepfather who later said it was sweet said he ended up being his best friend but his stepfather was a war veteran and had served time in the special forces so just imagine this tough you know not going to take crap off anybody type figure and he started to teach Glenn how to fight and protect himself. So one of the ways they would do this is they would go out to the river <laughs> and they would stand on a log and they would spar because the idea was that you need good balance to be a good fighter. So you would fight and you would get good balance. And if you fell off, you'd fall, fall, fall down. It was probably not even a river. It was probably a creek. <laughs> it was a creek. <laughs> it absolutely was. It was ankle deep uh-huh. at best. Um but Glenn eventually got pretty good at fighting. He was able to hold his own in a fight. He was fighting off bullies. And he also grew to enjoy fighting. Mm. In 1963, when he was in first grade, Glenn met a girl named Doris. And they would later get married in 1963. So all like kindergarten sweethearts, first grade sweethearts. Doris. By this time, Glenn was drinking heavily and constantly getting into fights. He was convicted of two felonies in his younger years for this so we started off rough time yeah this is the man that later becomes to be the preacher of the story so yeah just yeah um they would actually set up fights in a barn and people would pay money (laughs) (laughs) would pay money to watch these fights i can't because what else are you going to do in scottsboro alabama just keep picturing like just your cousin I, down the road. I yeah, I mean yeah. yes. Like yeah. I can mm-hmm. I can picture yes these things happening. Yes. We're laughing because it's true. <laughs> so, um what else are you gonna do in Scottsboro, Alabama? So he said Had that one barn fight. Mm-hmm. One time he was fighting this big old bully and he hit him so hard, Glenn hit the bully so hard that the bully's eyeball literally flew out. And okay. I don't know if I've ever heard of that happening, but that's what he said. Yeah, tell so. me science lady, mm-hmm. is that is that realistic? I have no idea. Okay. Um, I I wouldn't want to see it. So he said that because of this fight and the bully had a lot of friends that he made a lot of enemies during that fight and that they were out to get him. And one night after this fight, he went home to his wife and kids and in the reenactments on the documentary, it made it seem like he had like a million children, which again, not surprising. That wouldn't be surprising. But he fell asleep that night and he woke up to a house fire and he goes and he grabs a big TV throws it through the window and starts gathering the kids and putting them through the window. And all of a sudden he turns around and sees that Doris is on fire and he grabs her and they both fall through the window. So they get outside, you know, he puts a Doris out and, um, cause she's on fire and <laughs> he starts counting the kids and reala- realizes that one of the children is missing. Oh. And it was their one-year-old daughter, Sarah, spelled S-A-R-A-H. Of course, in the documentary, they pronounced it Sarah. And <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately, she 
this is not funny. It's just <laughs> the story is so ridiculous. It's, just, it's the southern uh, flair of the um, story that, that it's really going to get, get you. Us. Um, it's not funny because she died. And yes, that's not, she did that's die. Not and it was, and it was tragic. At the pronunciation mm-hmm. of her name. Doris said that Glenn wasn't the same after that, and he would spend a lot of time down at her gravesite or the cemetery, and he didn't really want to talk about what happened or the situation, but was obviously grieving. And this is around the time that Doris said Glenn also became abusive. And when they were interviewing her and said, do you, you know, do you think he'd be capable of murder? She said, um, you know, she kind of paused for a second and she was like, yeah, probably because mm-hmm. he was abusive to her. So Glenn started going out to bars, still married to Doris, you know, but he started seeing different women, started stepping out on good old Doris. And he eventually meets a woman named Darlene, who he got married to before he was even divorced from Doris. And I'm not sure how that was allowed other than the fact that the story is, again, said in Alabama. In Alabama in the 1970s. And just to rub salt in the wound, Glenn and Darlene got married on Doris's birthday. So, Way to go, Glenn. Mm-hmm. You are quite the scumbag. Mm-hmm. So there we go. Uh, Darlene was 19 when she married Glenn. Okay. Just a little bit about Darlene. She was one of 13 children and had a very poor upbringing as well. But um, her and Glenn ended up having one boy, and his name was Marty. At first, Glenn was still doing his normal, getting in fights, etc., But he said that everything changed when he was redeemed by the Holy Spirit. And as he tells it, there were two men out in the woods praying, just random two men in the woods. You'll find it in the story. A lot of these people are in the woods and not sure what they're doing out there, but apparently these two are praying. And they said that God told them to come to Glenn's house and ask, ask him to pray with them. So they did. They prayed with them. And he said that God told him that if he were to separate himself from everyone and focus on the bible quote he learned me to read it so Mm -hmm. god would learn him to read the bible Mm -hmm. so that's what he did he went out in the wilderness for 30 days prayed fasted read the bible and he claimed during this time that god delivered him and everything changed which and there is the possibility that that is what really happened and that that happens for other people Mm -hmm. and good for them that's not the end of our story here. No. Nope. With Glenn. Nope, nope, nope. But, you know, if you have that story as part of your testimony, good for you. Uh huh. Ho- sure. But this is Glenn Summerford. This Glenn Summerford is not. Mm-hmm. Glenn Buford. Not the same. Well, Dar- Darlene also got saved and started going to church at this time. And it never said that he went to seminary or anything, but Glenn somehow eventually ends up preaching. I don't think you needed a seminary degree back but then. Not Oh, not for holding rattlesnakes? Probably you not. You don't have to have a license for that? I don't think so. Well, and I don't understand the name of this church. He started preaching at the Church of Jesus with signs following. Okay. Okay. Clever. I don't get that, but sure. The church was actually a converted gas station that and country store, and they just threw a steeple on top of it. feels accurate. Because here's the church. Here's the steeple. Open, open the, the door. doors. You can also fill up your car with gas if you need to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, double whammy. Okay. So he began handling snakes during... I'm going to put that on a t-shirt, by the way. Put that on a t-shirt. He also began handling snakes during services. He was said to have owned up to 16 rattlesnakes. Absolutely not. And the snakes were kept in a shed behind his house. 
So, Uh -uh. Pentecostal snake handlers believe that their ability to handle snakes proves that they are anointed and have God's powers. Because if you're not anointed and you don't have God's powers, how are you going to handle a rattlesnake without getting bit? You and kill you, right? Uh, while serpents aren't commonly seen in religious circles, they're not. Just we want y'all to know. Yeah, they're not. Do church, never, I've never snake. seen a snake we don't do in snakes a, at our no. church. The practice that Glenn was employing had a very long history, and it first appeared in the 1910s with the Tennessee minister George Went Hen- Went Hensley, who believed that the New Testament commanded Christians to handle snakes and popularize the practice. And the verse they're getting this from is. Mark 16, 17 through 18, which states, And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Which I think a lot of times verses are pulled out of context and isolated and like twisted to people's narratives or, you know, their itinerary for whatever they want to do and, I, and I mean, he this is wanted a, to handle snakes and this is a prime example i think this is a prime example of that because yeah. you know obviously there's a lot that can be interpreted in the bible and that you know mm-hmm. us being humans there's human error and we don't always interpret things the right way right glenn did not interpret this the right way and glenn wanted to handle snakes and he said see this first we're gonna do it we're gonna do it they also believe these um well, this certain church and these people that studied the Pentecostal religion, that they have healing powers. And there is a story, there's several stories of Glenn healing people. One being that there was a younger church member that was in a bad accident and had broken his jaw and he was unable to eat. So Glenn just laid his hands on the boy's jaw and there was a cracking sound and they could see his jaw moving and bam, he healed the boy's jaw. Maybe Glenn should have been a chiropractor. Could have, missed opportunity. Yeah. Another time, Darlene, his wife, was chopping up food to cook dinner, and they said she essentially chopped her finger off, and he just placed his hand over her hand, and her finger reattached. So, there's Maybe that. he should have been a doctor. He was also supposedly proficient at casting out demons. His son was describing this on a documentary. I was like, yeah, the demon would just come out and run across the floor, and he'd just be running through the pews trying to find someone else to jump in, and then he just went out the door. And that just happened all the time. Goodness gracious. Mm -hmm. Glenn said that as he got closer to the Lord, he and Darlene weren't spending as much time together. And he said that this made Darlene believe that he didn't love her anymore. So he said one day he was out in the woods again praying when he sees a truck pull up and a man gets out and goes in their house. And when he comes back out, Darlene's with him and they're both grinning. And he notices that Darlene has changed clothes. So put two and two together glenn thought darlene was doing some hanky panky with another man while glenn was in the woods praying so he said glenn said that the lord had showed him that darlene was cheating on him and this was was his way of doing that and he said over the next several days darlene was continuing to confess other men that she had been with and she said that she was doing this to kind of rile him up so provoke him to beat her so that he would go to jail oh because she's trying to like pull the past back out of him and Mm -hmm. because he like beat his other wife he then said that darlene told him that she had been sleeping with glenn's two oldest sons since they were 12 and 13 years old Mm -hmm. what Initially, Glenn said that he did not believe this, but one of the sons came forward and said that this was the case. So this would have been his first wife's kids. Uh, uh Uh-huh. 
that she had been sleeping with him since they were like 12 years old. The other boy denied all of this, but this son was like, yes, this was the case. Did he immediately divorce her? No, he asked for a divorce, but they kind of stuck around for a while. He didn't want to get a divorce because he was scared of the ramifications of that being a preacher, and she didn't want to lose Marty. She had actually had a child before Marty, and she lost him. It didn't say why. I think she had a sketchy past or whatever. So anyway, she was scared of losing Marty. So they're still together at this point. He said that Darlene became so upset by this idea of divorce that she attempted suicide by taking a whole bottle of pills. But lucky enough for Darlene, Glenn has been blessed by the Lord, and all he had to do was pray over a glass of water, then make her drink it, and then she threw up all the pills because magic water. According to Glenn, Darlene had said that she had repented and wanted to show him that she was anointed by going out to the shed behind their house to handle the serpents. And he said that Darlene mm-hmm. went out to handle the serpents and came back saying that she had been bitten. And Glenn said that he started praying, but he didn't see a bite mark besides a raccoon bite <laughs> from their pet raccoon. <laughs> Side note, they had a pet raccoon and she had gotten bit by it earlier in the week. And Rolled he was up. like, that's just the raccoon bite from earlier. But again, just <laughs> so Alabama she, things. <laughs> so she had rabies. Oh, right. But not the rattlesnake. Right. The next morning, they wake up and run errands, and they went to a video store to return some movies, and the clerk at the store later testified that she didn't see any bites on Darlene or notice anything wrong. They then went and got some dinner and went home, and Darlene was still sick that night, so Glenn said he prayed over her, but he just couldn't cast out any more of her demons. I guess he'd she already had, cast out too many. too many. Mm-hmm. And guess. this, up until this point, this is kind of Glenn's point of view on things. Which, because he'll come forth and say he didn't do it. But okay. of course the, he will. The next morning when he woke up, he said that Darlene was gone and had left what looked like a suicide note for Marty that, and it's going to be hard to read because it's very the grammar, country. The, mm-hmm. the grammar on this mm-hmm. is The note read, challenging. Marty, I love you. Do what daddy says. Daddy was asleep. I tried to fix everything, but it didn't work out. Don't blame daddy because he loves me and trying to help me, but I didn't listen. Daddy is asleep and he don't know what I'm doing. Marty, always remember, I love you for the good, not the bad, but I love you. Try to get right. Your mama. I went out and got snake bit. Glenn is asleep and don't know. You and daddy live right. Okay. I love you. How many times did she had to say that that he was asleep? He's asleep. He's asleep. And this is further the prosecution. I mean, the defense said, like, why would this be a suicide note? It's all about Glenn being asleep. It's not, it doesn't sound like a suicide note. No, it sounds like a... Mm-hmm. like trying to set an alibi for him uh-huh. like he's right. asleep mm-hmm. uh i'm gonna kill myself he's asleep yeah, yeah and he yeah. doesn't know anything that's happening but i love you but he's but asleep. i love you but he's asleep mm-hmm. okay bye. uh now for darlene's side of the story so she said that glenn was possessed and had been abusing her throughout their marriage which he has a history uh-huh. of the day of the incident she said that they got into a fight where he pistol whipped her with a shotgun and she ran out of the house screaming glenn was chasing her it just so happens that Marty is standing out there with a bow and arrow, as one does. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and to kind of break them up and stop her dad from shooting his mom, he um, sends an arrow past his dad's head, and it kind of knocks, you know, gets him out of this focus like on shooting his mom. Yeah. But still, this mm-hmm. doesn't do any good because Glenn drags her into the shed and holds her at gunpoint while he not only forces her to write the suicide note, but he forces her to stick her hand in the stake pit. And he's and she said that he had banged on the enclosure to kind of rile up the stakes. And when she 
stuck her hand in it. They, of course, bit her. Darlene said that Glenn wouldn't allow her to go to the hospital or take her, or, you know, get any medical care. And she said that he told her if she would go with him to run some errands, including going, going to get more liquor, that he would just take her to the hospital when they got back. Oh, so okay. she believed him. They did end up running the errands, um, including going to the video store. But when they got home, this is when Darlene said that Glenn forced her to sign the suicide note, like I said, at gunpoint. Uh, she then said that she passed out on the couch at this point because she was feeling very ill. And she woke up to Glenn peeing on her to wake her up. What the heck, Glenn? <laughs> Just Bama. Oh, um, with him. He then dragged her back out to the shed for the second time and forced her to get bit again. So she's been bit twice at this point by these rattlesnakes. At some point, when they go back inside, Glenn passes out from drinking a bunch of vodka. Darlene was able to get to the phone and call 911. And the documentary was interviewing the paramedics, and they said that they, when they got the call, they were at the Piggly Stop. Wiggly. <laughs> and the Piggly Wiggly was in the background. They were like, we were getting some groceries at the Piggly Wiggly, and we got this Bet call. A woman got bit by a rattlesnake. Um, I'm sure they were used to that call, though, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, for real. Probably not the attempted murder version of it, but mm-hmm. they're just, you know, out in the woods. Yeah. Snakes. I go to the Piggly Wiggly like once a week as well. Hey, listen, the, pig, the Piggly uh, Wiggly is like, yeah. It has, it has come a long choice. way. Since, it's come a long way since. They have strawberry, watermelon, Gatorade on deck, and I can't find that anywhere else. Anyway. Good, they got some good snack options. Uh, the paramedics got the instructions to turn off the sirens and the lights because they don't want to wake. Darlene was scared that Glenn would wake up and, you know, drag her back in, probably make her get bed again. So when the parics pulled up, they paramedics pulled up, they see Darlene walking down a dirt road towards them, kind of like a zombie. Um, her hand was already necrotic, rotting off at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, the inside of the house was a mess. Chairs were turned over. Bedding was thrown off the beds. It looked so like clear, a fight clear, had I was about to say, broken clearly out. there was a... Yeah. And they said that that while they were in the house, they got worried because they were, you know, investigating everything. And out of the corner of their eye, they see a (laughs) purse move and a freaking rat, their freaking pet raccoon raccoon jumps out. And they were like, another day in paradise. (laughs) Another day in Uh, Scottsboro. uh So, yeah, Darlene's hand was rotting off. So they took her to a nearby hospital, which did not have antivenom. So she was rerouted to Birmingham. And I bet she went to Big UAB. Glenn was arrested. As he should have uh-huh. been. He was put on trial. The trial lasted two and a half days, and he was found guilty of attempted murder and given 99 years in prison. A lot of the church members supported Glenn and didn't think that he was guilty. Listen, some of those, you know, preachers, I mean, they're charismatic. Uh-huh. So I'm sure right. he had a following. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he had. Right. And she didn't people. look this way back then, but during the documentary, no offense to her, Darlene is looking rough. She looks like she has some mental I, health problems. Well, I probably would have after all that. Uh, no eye contact. Just. I probably uh, would have after all that, too. Yes. I she looks blame her. ill. Anyway. Um, February 21st, 2003. So Glenn went to prison, but he escaped from prison. And the documentary said, and I quote, you know, the words were slowly popping up on the screen. Oh, that and I like, just busted out laughing. It said, 45 minutes or he he you know escaped from prison it says 45 minutes later he was found in a dumpster and is currently serving the remainder of his 99 year sentence and then the uh, next words popped up and said he has not yet ascended into heaven (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, and but Glenn the got the nice way of saying he hasn't died yet, uh-huh. or he didn't die. But it was just like escape. he was found forty-five minutes later in a dumpster. <laughs> Glenn, hope you enjoyed Good. your forty-five minutes of freedom. Uh, yeah, bless it. Ended in a dumpster. So he did get thirty more years in prison for the attempted sentence. Uh, so he had a total of like uh-huh. one hundred thirty years now. Darlene sure. lived through it. She's still alive. Good for her. Fun fact: just I looked up rattlesnake bites because I was like. I mean, she got bit twice. And, and during all these church services, people get bit all the time. They think they're anointed and the snake's like, what's up? And you're not like, anointed. Nope, you're not anointed. Um, rattles- back, to the, back to the woods for uh-huh. you. Approximately 8,000 people are bit by rattlesnakes per year, but only 12 people around a dozen people die. So they are very dangerous and you do have to like seek medical attention, uh, medical attention, but you're not the likelihood of you dying is not severe. If you get the medical I, Yeah. Her hand yeah. could have rotted off, and it was already partially rotting off because she yeah. got bit twice. There was a, um, a colleague of mine that his brother recently got bit on the foot by a rattlesnake. Oh. And it was like, and it was a baby rattlesnake, mm-hmm. which those are better for them to bite you than the adults because they don't mm-hmm. know how to control their venom yet. So oh. Like, so it's just like a... Mm-hmm. It, when you get an adult rattlesnake, it can control its venom, and it's like way more dangerous uh-huh. than if it's a smaller I could see one. that. I don't know. Glenn looked like he just had a bunch of big old rattlesnakes, and also those church services when they're bringing the rattlesnakes out, they're like Pentecostals, and in his church are like very loud, very singing, banging on stuff, speaking in tongues. Oh yeah, they're that rattlesnake you know is freaking out, oh, and he's yeah. just sitting there he's waiting to bite somebody, holding it, he's or waiting to bite somebody. We could have held something like puppies. Come to the church of Lacey. We hold puppies. And, yeah. Um, and, it, and if it mm-hmm. licks you, you're anointed. Yeah. There you go. Um, but anyways, um, you know, not your typical murder story, but just a fun story about snakes. Quite the true crime. You can go yeah. watch the documentary if you want on yeah. HBO. But Come to Alabama. I'm sure if you're not around it's not here, like it's a I cultural mean, shock. It, it, it's, it, it both is and isn't like that. Because mm-hmm. like I said, I mean, there are a lot of parts of that story that make me chuckle both for the absurdity and the close reality mm-hmm. of them. But we live in a city yes. and you know, that kind of urban environment in Alabama is not like that. Yeah, we wear different. shoes. Yeah. We have teeth. Yes. Um, except we don't go to church in a gas station. No, but if you do do it more power to you don't know. have snakes there. It's don't not don't smart. handle snakes. Don't, don't attempt go into to the kill woods your by yourself. The don't fight in barns. They're, they're always in the woods. Yeah, with the snakes. Don't don't have a rac. Uh, you know. A raccoon is a pet. Yeah, well, have honestly, one. rather there's one I'd on Instagram and his name was Pumpkin the raccoon and he died and it destroyed oh. me. But he was like trained and but stuff. But don't you just get you a, a country a raccoon and a rattlesnake. Mm-hmm. And he had sixteen. Anyways, this church is apparently still alive and well today, and we should probably go to it. Be like, y'all heard of Glenn, Glendale Buford? Y'all, y'all know Glenn Buford. What you know Summerford? about Glendale Buford? Can we meet him? No, no he's, he's in, in jail. jail. I guess you could meet him. We go try mm-hmm. to interview him. Could. Stay tuned for an update on that. Goodness. Um, anyway, that is our episode on Medusa. Snakes and Boom. snacks. Medusa. Glenn. Soda. Glenn probably would have loved Medusa. Oh, he would have. That match. He said, "That's my Match girl. Made in heaven I'll tame right her." There. He he would have definitely thought she was anointed. She got a whole oh, head yeah. of snakes. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, um, join us next time. I'm not really sure what we're doing next week. That's not true. I do know what we're we doing, do. and it's going to be fun. Lacey likes to keep these things a secret, though. I'm likely uh, the one to accidentally spoil it on Instagram. Don't do it. Which but you if can you find us on Instagram mm-hmm. at Scary Tales Podcast, mm-hmm. let us know what you think. We'll we love to hear from you guys. Glenn. 
Yeah, well, and yeah. probably snakes. So Glenn and his snakes, and Darlene and Doris, and the raccoon, and, and people out in the woods <laughs> doing will stuff. Find the raccoon. Um, what'd you say? Here's the church. Here's the steeple. Open the door, and you can also fill up your car with gas. Mm-hmm. While you go We're gonna to put that on a t-shirt. Look out for the merch. Put and, that on uh, a t-shirt. Until next time, peace and blessings. And avoid the snakes. Avoid them. Don't get bit. Bye. Bye.